The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Who is? This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz. With me, of course, is the second man in the booth, the man to my left. He is a doctor. Doctor of what? We don't know, but he is a doctor. He is Michael P.S. Jargo. Jargo, what's going on? How are you doing today, sir? I, I am fantastic, and the answer to your question is gender and cultural studies. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I got the degree right over there, Paz. Jeez. All right. And the third man in the booth, I think his name says Vinny McJudas, but he is the man behind TMPT and HMG. He is Mr. RBV. Rick, what's going on? Uh, gentlemen, glad to be back again. Uh, another great topic on uh, who is, man. I got to tell you, man. I, hey, I, I love the conversation last week with the greatest Survivor Series team of all time. Hey, but I think, you know, when we're talking about one of the greatest scandals to, to rock the professional wrestling world, really deep diving into uh, some of the behind the scenes finally here on who is looking forward to this topic. Who is today responsible for the Montreal Screwjob? We're in November, so let's why not talk about the incident from Survivor Series 1997 back in Rick wanted me to mention this back November 9th, 1997 in the WWF. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Obviously, we all know the story. We've seen the documentaries. We've seen the many DVDs that WB has put out. Hell, WB had uh, Brett and Michael sit down together and do an interview for the network. They had them come out in the ring and talk about it. I mean, they, they've kind of beat the thing to death. But the crux of it is Bret Hart is leaving. Vince can no longer pay him after agreeing to give him a 20-year deal, basically a lifetime contract. He was going to pay him basically a million dollars a year for 20 years says, I can't afford to pay you. I can't do that contract. We might go out of business. We're really struggling. WCW is killing us. The NWO is eating us alive. I don't know what we're going to do, but we can't afford to pay you. We're sorry. We're going to have to let you go. Why don't you go back and revisit that deal that you and Bischoff had been talking about a year prior with WCW and see what you can get. And the rumor was he was offered $3 million a year at WCW for three years. So Man, there's a lot to talk about here, but uh, when I talk about the screw job, what do you think about there, Jargo? I mean, is it uh, is it beaten to death? Are we talking about too much? Not a lot of people are talking about what we're talking about, though. Who is actually responsible for it? it I, 
it's still one of the most fascinating topics in the history of professional wrestling. And this morning, I, I sit down and I'm going to try to research this thing, right? And I'm just like, how in the world am I going to learn anything that I haven't already heard before as I'm sitting down to do my research for this show? And I found myself getting sidetracked by the screw job between Buddy Rogers and Bruno Sammartino. And I'm like going down other screw job rabbit holes because literally I've, I think we've heard it all. And I think we all have a pretty good idea at this point. Like we can close our eyes and we can watch the movie because it's been discussed by so many people. So in depth over the course of time. And I mean, really, if you want to get down to it, like butterfly effect kind of stuff, right? If you really wanted to put a stop to this and the, the Montreal screw job never happens, you have to go back to like, you know, Stu and Helen, right? Like you got to go back to when Brett was in uterine and stop it there because this, I feel like the screw job more than anything else over the course of pro wrestling history was this huge culmination of everything there was so much going on inside of the pro wrestling world wwf's getting their ass handed to them by wcw at this point we know that brett's leaving like it was this huge culmination of so many stories all happening at the same time and to really get down to who was responsible for it is a pretty damn interesting topic to me yeah, Jargo, I like that you mentioned going back, and I did the same thing. Let's go back and look at history to see how some of these other screw jobs, uh, maybe going out someone shooting on another someone else there, how they have played out. And, and you had mentioned Rogers and Bruno there. Uh, I'm going back. Probably the one that happened prior to this inside WWE that got some notoriety was uh, Richter and Mula. Yep. And that had come up over money and Mula going out under the mask and them taking the belt off over there. A few things that really jump out to me when going and, and trying, as Jargo said, we've heard it from everybody. We've looked at it from every angle, from all of those involved to everyone inside the business giving their opinion, to anyone that's involved in the journalism side, podcasting, to fans. Everyone has a take on this thing. And why are we still talking about it all these years later? Simple facts. When pro wrestling inside of that ring on the air touches and walks across that line and pulls back across with it a bit of reality it hooks the viewers it hooks the fan it, it invokes emotion it's what people want hey tomorrow's trash day you can go bag up your dot 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 dives your move sets and put them out on the curb because those do not sell and, and anyone that tells me today that that's what they're tuning in for that's a problem inside of professional wrestling it's when you have the emotion like this and that's why we are talking about it all of these years later and it still brings up such great debate and emotion between people just in conversation. Another point back then that we can kind of relate to today, why does Vince McMahon go to Brett? Obviously, the company, that they're getting their butts kicked weekly by WCW. WCW has become the number one company across the world, definitely here in the West, arguably across the world. But He's trying to dump major salary because at this point, Vince is determined to take that company public and he has to dump all long-term spending or it's going to kill him on the market. What are we seeing today? He is dumping high level budget and salary because he's getting ready to make a move. Now, he's already public. So that next move is a sale. So if you even go back to 1931, Ed Strangler Lewis pulled a little screw job. There was obviously a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with the world title, 
Ed Strangle Lewis had some control over it. They were, you know, putting on different guys without his consent. He's had some from trouble with the promoters. So 1931, the original quote unquote Montreal screw job happens and he screws Henry DeLang or I, I think the pre- correct pronunciation is Henry DeGlane. So, um, Ed Strangle Lewis back in 1931 had the screw job and a guy we're going to talk about today, Jimmy Cornette, wrestling historian knew that and he knew all about it. And he knew basically the ins and outs of how to get the title off a guy and use the other wrestler to get it off of him and get him out of the promotion. So he has some historical references to it. If you watch dark side of the ring, when they talk about the Montreal screw job, that's what he's referring to when Ed Strangle Lewis did that. And he knew that he's like, well, if we want to get the title off Brett, so he says he threw out that idea. I, so I think too, just yeah. as a precursor before we really jump into some of these names, and I love you starting with Cornette there. Uh, just to remind some people, I, I know that we said we so many people have heard it, but maybe some people be confused. Let's you know, Survivor Series is happening uh, on the 9th of November. Brett has struck already a deal in 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 theory. He's already signed on that he could join WCW in December, December 5th, I believe. So there is that window. Uh, obviously, the heat, the program, the real-life drama backstage, Hart does not want to drop this thing to Michaels. Vince is just so worried this might be that last opportunity. He doesn't want Hart in any case, title or not, being announced heading to WCW or ultimately pulling the uh, Medusa act that, that I'm sure we'll talk about where she goes yeah. over there and drops the belt in the trash. Okay, well, before we even get into the names as to who's responsible, right? There are a couple of interesting names that are going to come up throughout this conversation, but two names that probably won't are Scott Hall and Sean Waltman. Both of those guys claim that this is a work and that it's always been a work and that Vince and Brett and Sean, all three were in on it. Now, the only credence to lend to Scott Hall and Sean Waltman are you know they're about as close as you can get with Sean and Triple H at this point? Do we even want to do, like? Is it possible that this is the greatest work ever pulled? Because I never even really thought about it, but they both make very interesting cases as to why they believe this is a work. I really think that's something we visit at the end of the show here because I think in the conversation you're going to see as we're looking at individuals involvement or lack of involvement, we are going to see those holes in the story that kind of make you wonder, was there something in the works? Were were they cooking up something back in the kitchen on us? Pause. Is there even a doubt in like, you know, the smallest part of your brain that says maybe kid and hall are right. Yes. Uh, not to be conspiracy theorist on it, but definitely I do think it's it's a shoot, but there's a part of me that thinks work because a wrestling with shadows is there and they're filming it. So it's like the perfect ending. And even like when they interview the guy, uh, what's his name? Paul J, the, the documentarian, he's like, man, this is like the perfect ending. So it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> odd to say, but yeah, Funny how really that is. works out, right? Yeah. Like how could that be possible? Uh, Brett ended up with $3 million a year from WCW um, Vince kind of created his own star, which ended up being himself. You know what I mean? It was like everything. Sean goes out. to the top of the card. Like yeah, everybody everything. benefited from the screw job. WWF really benefited too, because that put eyes on them when they were down, down the dumps. Everyone was like, what the hell? The Vince really screwed the guy. Like, so everyone was interested in that. It, a part of me does think could be a work. Also the key component is Bret Hart. 
you never quite know, even when he's wrestling, is he legit shoot? Is it a work? Like, is, does he really think he's the best? People say yes. Some people say no. Like, he is the greatest worker. He's the worker of all workers. So he would be the guy that he would never tell you. You know what I mean? He's that good of a worker. Kayfabe so is very real to Bret Hart. Yes. Well, it is, as much you know, we've talked about it many a times when Bret is atop of our list on who is, mm-hmm. is the... Well, how we put him over is because he believes in it so much, right? And it takes you know it takes me back to the Seinfeld episode where he's, where George is trying to coach Jerry how to pass the lie detector, and he tells him, <laughs> "It's not a lie if you believe it." And, and I think that's one of those things that makes Brett or the Hart family themselves so brilliant and truly the excellence inside of professional wrestling. Us as fans, whatever your role is, even if you're a fellow performer, these people, I and mean, then I tell people that I've talked to. On the indie scene these days, I say look to people like Bret Hart because there's no way that audience is going to believe you if you don't believe you. That, that could you... be very true in this case here, where Bret's just—it's yep. it, so damn real to him because professional wrestling is so real to him, and it means everything. And of we, the three, of course, it would make sense that Sean would be the one that would break first. I mean, like that—that yeah. that just seems logical to me. Yeah. Did you ever watch Melrose Place, by the way, Rick? Uh, not a Melrose Place fan. Oh, okay. Because that's what the lie is. Jerry has to, he's like, no, I, I, knew, I, knew that's <laughs> I knew it was in the episode, but I haven't. Yeah. He's like, no, never, never seen the show. Yep. And she, and she's like, I, I think you have. Yeah. That, that's great. Uh, now, but, when we're talking about people that have come out and said it to work, we, know, we do have an individual. I know we're going to talk about him, uh, Hebner, but he has flip flopped so many times on his stance that I don't know how, if we could really take his, his accounts of, of what happened that evening too serious. Do you think it could be? him because he's on my list as being partially responsible here because if he would have just told brett the truth this might have not happened you know if he wasn't basically turned i guess you could say you know turned to, to vince i know that's his boss but if he didn't turn and really turn heel that day and screw brett you know this would have never happened is hebner responsible for this i think what's interesting with hebner when when did he know that's uh, the have, biggest question about Earl. There, there are when different accounts. Know? You know, we've heard that he was involved in the meeting. Uh, Sean, I believe in his book said that he told him 10 minutes before the, before go time. Uh, Hebner very immediately following the incident swore that he knew nothing whatsoever. Uh, he he got say, the hell out. He, he did say later that, okay, they smartened him up, but he wasn't in on the planning. He panicked. Post and then recently, I think it was within the last year he's come out and addressed. Maybe it was even last year around this time of the anniversary where he said, "Oh yeah, the whole thing. Everybody knew about this thing." So it seems like if there's anyone that's, I think he was just so terrified in the moment, especially then. But you're right, uh, someone that was in, in a lot of things that that Brett had said he had concern, worries going into the match that something this felt wrong. There was, you know, that's fishiness in the air but he trusted hebner for for being a longtime friend and close partner inside of the business someone he felt he could trust that he said okay if if rose got me here i believe that we're going to be able to get through this and and as hard as it was and hard fought to get to that point just to come to the dq finish that they had uh, rumored to have been planned there that he felt comfortable enough to go out there with the match so i mean but here's it. Let's say that it hadn't had told Brett. What kind of spinoff do we get? Do we have the hearts going to business for themselves? Do we have the match never happen? Do we have a fight beat start happen back at Gorilla? 
back at catering. What kind of mess does that trigger? There's so much conjuncture about where Earl Hebner was, what Earl Hebner knew and when he knew it. And to me, like the timeline that I've always kind of come to the conclusion that Earl would be an accomplice inside of this thing, but there's no way that I would say that he was responsible for it. Right. Like the most consistent story that I've seemed to hear is that Earl kind of knew what was going on because Brett had talked to him on the plane and said, you know, like, don't screw me. And Earl was like, I'm not going to screw you. Like, that's not who I am. And then before he's ready to go to the ring for the match, he was told this is what's going to happen. So, I mean, Earl knew, but he knew so late into it that he couldn't do anything about it. But the bug was already put in his ear by Brett, which is one of the more interesting parts of the entire story to me. So with Heather, maybe with Brett planting that seed, and maybe Hebner now is starting to put the, the pieces of the puzzle together. How much did they really have to tell him? All he had to know is, um, oh gosh, uh, right-hand man. Uh, well, his name is escaping me. That was agenting the match. Patterson? Just passed away. Patterson. Just his name escaping me. Patterson's agenting this match. They're putting it together. They convinced Brett to go into that sharpshooter after that bump. They might have just, he might have just said something to Hebner like, hey, Look for a cue, be be alert for a cue in your earpiece or, a, you know, a motion from somebody. He might not have truly known everything that was going on, but he started then putting the pieces together, looking at Brett's concerns going into the match. My understanding of how things went down was they were about halfway through the match that Patterson had laid out. That it was going to be like a 20 to five, 25 minute long match. It was about 12 minutes into the match. And by all accounts that I have heard, nobody clued Pat into it because they knew that Pat would tell Brett. Now, see the accounts I heard that, that Pat was there in the meeting. In but the cl- Pat in the left, cl- and when the meeting like closed, my understanding of the meeting is it was Vince, Sean, and Briscoe. That like see, as I, people were leaving, Vince pulled those two back in. As they're launching this thing, I thought it was the day before. Were in the hotel room, it was Patterson, Slaughter, and Vince. Clear it up, pause. We may never know. I always figured it was uh, Vince, Pat, Jerry, and, and Michaels with Triple H there as well. Um, because Briscoe is literally teaching Michaels, as the story goes, shoot holds because Brett would legit kick his ass. So he's like, man, he goes, boy, you got to learn some of these holds because, you know, Briscoe's a legit shooter. He's like, because he goes, what if he shoots on you? What are you going to do? He's, like, he's going to kick my ass. He's like, well, let's work on it. Well, you know, so Briscoe of, 100% knew. He knew what outs, was going on. Outside Patterson of the screw is job, iffy, though. Patterson is Out, iffy. I don't outside know. of the screw job, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, Briscoe's involvement helping Shawn Michaels learn how to defend himself, that could have happened at any time. This wasn't like an overnight situation between these two. It's this true. was just where the, the bubble burst. I mean, this water had been boiling for a while. The volcano had just Brisco not erupted. Not, do you blame Briscoe for not saying anything to Brett? Briscoe's the ultimate stooge. So, I mean, like whatever <laughs> Vince tells him to do, like that's what Briscoe's going to do. So it's, we're kind of not sure if Pat Patterson, I always assumed he was involved, but Jarvis saying maybe he wasn't involved. I don't believe Pat Patterson was it, involved. It, it, it is a, a business in a sorts. 
Yes, you do have a, fan, a friendship, a bond, but ultimately it is a business. It, it is a carny business. It is full of scumbags. Yep. So on, even at this point here, as close as you might believe that you are to someone, and and maybe this is where a little bit of this blame goes to Bret Hart for trying to be and, and maybe selling himself as being too you know How virtuous, saying that you, white Rick. knight. But really, if you're someone like Briscoe, even if you're close to him, if you're Patterson, if you're Hebner, that's great. Brett has a $3 million deal waiting for him in enemy camp. You have no clue if they even want to have any interest, anything to do with you or what they would do or what they would offer you. You know you are secure. You have been there for, what, 20 years plus years at this point, quarter of a century with safe jobs going forward with Vince. You're going to stay on the ship. Do you know who may be responsible for this if you really think about it? Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. I, all, I had Bischoff it, near the top of my list. It's all his fault. Think about it. If he doesn't make Brett that deal, well, really, Brett's a free agent in 96. Then he has a deal to come back, but they kind of plant the seed right there that he was interested and in how much money he could make. Then again, when he said, Oh, let's open up the conversation again, Vince can't afford me. Um, you know, like let let's, you know, let's bring me in. It, it'll be huge. Um, and I, I mean, you know, want that money. So it's kind of Bischoff's fault for for, for taking him away to uh, WCW in a way. Okay, but if I'm playing, you know, the easy E defender here, right? Like, none of that happens if Vince actually lives up to the contract that he right, signed Bret Hart to. Yep, you know what true. I mean? So, I mean, from a Bischoff perspective, you're bringing in Bret the Hitman Hart, right? Like, you would think this is going to be huge for WCW, and he's absolutely worth the money at that point inside of his career. Bret's never hotter. They didn't know that, like, grumpy, I don't really want to be here. I'm just here to collect my paycheck and go home, Bret Hart, was going to show up, right? Like, so, I mean, I understand Bischoff's perspective inside of this whole thing, but none of the Bischoff stuff happens if Vince just lives up to his end of the deal with Bret. I, I actually, I love that you bring that up. I had Bischoff on my list, Pause. You don't hear other people talking about him. And I want to go a little, just one step further than what you put there. Just outside of the Brett deal, I think Bischoff would love to take credit for this because it was his maneuvering, his business tactics, and his drive to destroy the WWF at the time that actually drove Vince up to insane. He, he was ironic about what potentially could happen that he was willing to do, you know, the most heinous of acts to try and protect what the integrity left that he still have his company as they are just getting pummeled. In the competition, you got to believe that Bischoff's sitting there. I, I did that. I pushed a supposed professional wrestling genius, the mastermind, the creator of the world at the time, as you know it, professional wrestling. He pushed him over the edge to commit such an act like this. It's so I think funny absolutely, because you make Vince out to sound like Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and Bischoff did that. And think about what's going through. Vince's mind too. Like, okay, we can't afford to lose Brett, but he's the champion. Or can't excuse me, can't afford to pay Brett. We're gonna lose him, but he is the champion. The last time we did this, Medusa, who we mentioned before, ends up with the title and a trash can on that show. And we're still in litigation over that because that 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 just can't be. But still, no matter what, that was awesome. That was that was so many people turned to WCW at that point. Like that was cool. That was awesome. They literally threw a WF title in the garbage and said it was trash. I mean, 
awesome stuff. I mean, they didn't really follow up much with it, but that moment, everybody remembers it. It was awesome. So that plays into Vince's head too. Like shit, Brett's going to go over there and do the same thing. I can't have the, my champion go over there, not lose technically be the champion and throw it in the trash. That would kill my company. So Bischoff again is on his mind. Yeah. It's all these moves. What, what would Bischoff do? What's going to hurt us? It, you know what I, it, to go to those lengths, just think about, I mean, it, it, it wasn't it really in the grand scheme. It wasn't that long ago when the title actually melts, met something that it was that important that, that you couldn't have that, you know, that sort of disrespect happen. WCW bought that single moment for Medusa just for that moment. I don't even recall them using her till years later after that. They didn't go full forward with a women's division and, and try to promote, you know, that angle, that style of competition, it was for that moment just to take a piece of their property and throw it in a trash can. Do you what also do you also blame it. oh definitely worth it. Do you also <laughs> blame though years earlier when Ric Flair brought the WCW title onto WF television? Like like that thought process of like, oh if they're gonna do that, guess what we're gonna do and we're gonna one up it. We're gonna throw it in the trash. You gotta believe that that paranoia and there was a great dispute between the organizations at that time. Yeah. Now that is kind of interesting, and, and I know it is. It's as old as professional wrestling. If if Brett is is on, and this is one of the things that, and I start looking, and it might be you know Captain Hindsight sort of booking here, but okay, Brett, you don't have to drop it in in Canada. You don't have to drop it to Shawn Michaels. What we've got to make sure that you don't show up anywhere else with this title end in disqualification whatever the case might be you're not leaving this property with our belt now and i know there's still the concern that that eric bischoff goes on nitro the next night and they say hey we have signed bret hart we have signed their current champion to me you can angle that and, and throw brett under the bus yeah, he was here. He was defending, and you, you know, once again, yeah, it, they're the conglomerate. They were they had, are backed by Turner, this ultimate media machine. They've got all the money in the world. We are fighting away here. Brett sold out. He he was pretty good. Brett sold out to take this big contract. You got that DQ finish with Michaels. Michaels could say, "Hey, he didn't beat me, but he's still running for money, and he'll never be back here to beat me." Then you just vacate the title. I mean, there could have been ways around it without having this whole fiasco that they played out the problem was brett had creative control yeah and it, it, it wasn't who, who cares at that point but He's it wasn't gone. due to lack of trying to get brett to drop this title they were trying to get brett to drop the title weeks before that leading up to survivor series i mean and brett had creative control no i don't want to do that no i i don't want it like Brett was not the easiest person in the world oh, to like, work I, with. I understand that. But at that point, the night after Survivor Series, even if you go through with the DQ finish, Brett doesn't have that belt in his possession. It's sitting over at the timekeepers. He never sees that belt again. That belt disappears and goes into a WWE chest somewhere and is locked away. It's a treasure chest hidden. So Brett never sees that title. So technically, yeah, he could be your champ, but he went out on a disqualification. He can go do what he wants, but you still paint this picture now. He's gone. He is greedy. He sold out on the company that he has been with since 1984 for a th and put out the figure, the three millions. Like so many other people, he went over to the old man place, put over. He isn't going to be, you think Hogan's going to pay him any respect? Piss all over Brett on the way out, putting over that he couldn't beat Shawn, Mich Shawn Michaels on the way out. 
I think maybe why they didn't think about it, although Brett was leaving, Vince McMahon thought he was going to be perceived as the good guy in this whole thing. He thought the fans were going to take to him for trying to defend the integrity of the WWF championship. See, I just don't know how much that part is actually true because it, Which part? to me, to me, it's one of the things that adds to it being a work, right? Because everything that you laid out is accurate or what we could do is, and everybody benefits from it because the, the Mr. McMahon character is born like the creative what? program coming out of this supposed shoot is the best creative program that Vince McMahon has ever done over the course of the entire history of the WWF at the time. And he just happened to have it on 24 hours notice. Like, oh, I, you know what I mean? Like that to me, actually I, I, adds I get to what you're saying, like what I laid out, what I laid out there, because there are other options is what is one of those hard things, you know, that, okay, this, this had to be a work, right? Because there were other right. options. If you really work your way through this thing, that wasn't the end all be all. But and it was the said, best for business and all be all for everybody involved. Well, you know, now turning around from that, you did have McMahon cutting his promos, defending, hey, I, Brett, did, he didn't do, the, you know, the the honor, you know, the, the tradition of professional wrestling. I had to do this to protect our company, protect what the interest of you fans. And, it, and listening to Cornette, you know, who was there at that time, think, you know, saying, that Vince thought that he that the fans were going to praise him, but there was a backlash there. Delusional. He thought in that promo with Jr. He's like, you know, Brett screwed Brett. He thought he was the babyface and that he was going to come off well. Jr. is like, you came off like an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he flat out was like, you came off horribly. You literally came off like a villain. And boom. Well, we could use that, which is genius in, in its own right. Well, I guess we could use that. I'll become Mister McMahon, the character. And, and what I'm saying, I truly believe but I sound like an and, asshole. And you know what's really funny about that? You, you look at the attitude and the smugness that he had. It was very similar to him in real life at the steroid trial. The difference is at that time, it's the little entrepreneur, the mom pop shop, pro wrestling up against the big, bad United States government. And he's the underdog and people kind of gravitated towards that. You know, he's, he's being cocky towards the man. Well, now, McMahon was the man and, and, and Brett was, you know, th that poor victim inside of the situation. But now we also know that the Mr. McMahon character itself actually debuted in Memphis. So it's almost like he had this thing in mind and he was trying it out and it worked. So McMahon. how do we get that to WWF TV? Like, and again, it's just like, it, there's so many things that when you really look at it, it's like, this might be a work. How much do you put on though, especially from dark side of the ring as for whatever, God knows, whatever reason, the agenda bullshit they were trying to do that. They turned that whole episode of the screw job into Cornette versus Russo. I guess they wanted to do a Cornette Russo episode, I guess for whatever reason later on. And they both said no way, but, um, which is 100% true because they both have come out and said that, that they tried to do something with those two and it's not going to happen. Uh, but what do you guys think about that? Because Cornette has a great example. He's talking about Ed Stranger Lewis. Everyone knows he's this huge historian. He knows all this stuff. And that would be a great idea. Like, hey, how do we get the title of this guy? Assuming it's not a work, assuming it's a shoot. That, hey, how do we do it? Hey, you know, Ed Stranger Lewis. Well, what do you mean about that, pal? Well, how did that go down? Like, 
So he explains it to him. So that makes perfect sense. But then on the other hand, Rousseau is saying that he had a, a creative idea very similar to screw him as well. So are any of these two responsible? And who do you believe out of, out of those stories? Well, in the case of Cornette, when he had kind of pitched it, it was really in passing in jest, wasn't it? It was, he was just, is there sitting there just kind of BSing and he, and he's talking. And he just, hey, they did with Ed Strangle Lewis. Yeah. And, and he, I think he, that he even, he was surprised when he actually saw them go through with this thing. As Cornette has been on record many a times, he got the hell out of the building. He knew it was not going to be a pretty scene. Something bad was yep. about to go down. How often it, can you say, yeah, that was my idea, but I didn't know about it. Right. Well, now that you could pit, you, I mean, you might say something in passing. You don't know that somebody's going to go down the street and actually do the thing. Yeah, but he's very happy to take credit for it. Oh yeah, because it's gonna it's gonna drum up some interest around him. Now, I, I think in you know in dotting the i's and crossing the t's, I don't think he was involved in that part. But I'm sure that they picked his brain a couple more times in that one mentioning of it, so that he could go into detail and explain that story a little bit. Now on the Russo front. I think that's pretty interesting. Is Russo ever divulged the idea that he had? Screw him, bro. Screw him. Yeah. Because Russo's very, very early into getting into the creative process at this point. Mm -hmm. This whole thing, it was right after this unfolded that he would kind of take full reins, correct? I mean, it wasn't until December of 97. No, really, October of 97 is when he's when he's kind of he's basically been a part of the writing team uh, since WrestleMania. Uh, 13 so since March but he's not the head writer he's a part of the team um, producer too doing a lot of stuff but really October is kind of when he takes over as I, one I, of the head writers I think I had, well, it's, I had seen a couple interviews with him where he had dated like that first week of December where he had like full control of the big programs well right now on the uh, Vince Russo brand he's doing the break it down the attitude error and he started it October 7th 1997 so it's beginning okay. of October so I don't know if maybe he's changing. <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's what he what he started at because that was I guess the good starting point of when he said he's really. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting, and I love the concept of the show he's got over there, breaking yeah, down cool. the attitude and, and watching it not as a watch along, but just giving you pretty much critiquing his own work and what was happening. And it's and he's about to start talking about this. So I mean that's going to be a, a hell of a sales pitch to go on over to uh, Channel Attitude to to get on board there. Russo is one of the names that kind of pops up inside of these conversations that I just t- I put no credit in. Like I don't I don't feel at all that Russo was involved or responsible for this thing. Cornette, on the other hand, I give twenty five percent responsibility for the Montreal screw job. I mean for for kind of planting that seed into Vince McMahon's mind, being like, hey, there's precedent for this. Like you, we could do this. Although I don't hold him fully responsible. I hold them 25% responsible because I do believe Jim Cornette very well may have been the first person to suggest screwing Bret Hart. So kind of we're, we're putting these guys in like a, uh, a gang mentality. It was Cornette that loaded the guns. He just didn't point and pull the trigger. Right. Yep. How much blame and, and recommend I ask you this question. How much blame do you put on like Jargo meaning the Michael Jargos of the world and the fans, because had the fans been watching WWF like they used to and not watching 83 weeks of dominance at WCW, would that have ever happened? Right. So it, it, kind of Jargos fault in a way. 
Uh, so we're so we're going at the the fan because Jarko was a WCW guy, but but he Absolutely. was from he was from or he was early on before the dominance in the NWO kind of started getting. But on. how that much was, of it is it the fans' fault that they had to do that because the fans were switching switching teams? I don't think you can blame your consumer base okay. for right. putting okay. out a, a product that is so subpar that they're going to go get their their fix elsewhere. What? I mean, it's the same thing as I wouldn't blame. You know, consumers of a restaurant goes out of business because they're not putting out a quality product and everyone's next door chowing down, you know, the best hamburgers in town. I think if ultimately. But I would be pissed. I was like, hey, why didn't you come to us more often? We well, could have not, been, not into open. the fans who wasn't who ultimately wasn't feeding the need of those consumers. Hmm. And that's the man that made this ultimate call that many would just on the surface would point to. And that would be Vince himself for mainly letting the company get to that point what about uh, the monday night wars itself though wcw versus wwf that's got to be to blame too because had this huge war not happened vince wouldn't be like nervous as hell like man i might go out of business what am i gonna do here i mean the monday night wars well kinda i, I really it, started it why did we even have money wars i mean we're going back to vince because of the steroid trial again he's got to get away from the Balkan guys, he's he's going to smaller and what he believes in is going to work in this more certain, always a, a circus atmosphere. But now it's over the top circus atmosphere with these crazy. Everyone has to have a, an absurd gimmick. You know, if they didn't open the door for for WCW to make that move, would we be here? So I mean, it, it, it comes down to not delivering in your product to put you in that spot. Well, funny enough, I actually made the the comment to pause as a little bit of a joke that this is all Hulk Hogan's fault. You son right? of a bitch. You I, son of a bitch. I mean, if if you're going to go back to the steroid trial, absolutely. Hogan being a key witness, even though he had already signed with WCW at that point. And, and let's face it, the roster shrunk literally right before your eyes coming out of the steroid trial. We went from Hulk Hogan to Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Like we literally shrunk the size of the roster right there. That's when it happened. And also Hogan goes over to WCW. The NWO angle happens. WCW's hotter than hell. Like they're kicking his ass. I mean, this is all really Hulk Hogan's fault. Thanks, pause. Way to go, Hulkamania, brother. Uh, quick sidebar: If we were to do a who is like the best TV show involving a wrestler, probably Thunder in Paradise, right? Ooh, yeah. Just thinking about that. In that era, sunny in Philadelphia it... with Hot Rod. Oh, okay. Right. Trash I man. Know. I don't know. Thunder had a great theme too. Thunder in Paradise. Anyway, you blame Hulkster, and you're kind of not wrong because uh, they were kicking their ass at that point, and a, a bit of a stumble by Vince letting the Hulkster go. Yep. You no, know, Paz, it is kind of funny when you say the fan base and where they were moving. Uh, just to, you know, to play along with that, to piggyback on you there, couldn't we say just culture itself? You're getting away from that white meat baby face that Bret Hart always perceived himself as, mm -hmm. what wrestling was to him and what it meant, how he knew it. You know, society just wasn't buying into it. You've seen wrestling right there coming out of one of his low points. And one of the reasons that, that Vince wanted out of this deal with Brett is he really didn't have, he wasn't a big part of the future plans of the company. He'd seen the success, how fans were gravitating towards uh, a DX. You got stone cold a bit on the, on the rise. You got all these other players coming in and you have the, the, the entire world of professional wrestling, just not professional wrestling, but the world itself. 
is beginning to seriously evolve. It's really, it's MTV's fault then, right? Because I mean, Bischoff will even tell you that like, you know, we went for more reality based characters. And one of the big influences in doing that was the real world, right? Because all of a sudden reality TV, rather than these characters, WWF is still going out there with, you know, the Godwins and you got everything is a very topical kind of everything's still very cartoony, very much like it was in the 80s. Whereas Bischoff's looking at pop culture, where pop culture is going, everything's going to more reality base. And he was like, that's where we're going to take the, the wrestling program too. So really it's MTV's fault. So as we're doing that now, we're looking at people, we're talking about if a belt's going into the trash can, we're, we're talking about characters that resemble what we're seeing in other genres of entertainment. We're talking about realistic storylines and talking about changing the business we're just fault lie here with one uh, Paul Heyman. Yeah. Say say what? You, you look at the influence there. You look at how things are changing, and you're getting rid of your traditional Bret Hart style wrestlers. What what role do they have in professional wrestling at this time? We yeah, talk about talking... WCW pushing WWF. ECW was getting pretty damn hot about this time too. November to remember. You bet. A lot of heat on Vince right now. Hmm. Didn't think about the Paul Heyman thing, but I was thinking about one of the key guys that are definitely involved. What about Shawn Michaels? How much blame do we put on HB Shizzle? Yeah, we got to get to HB Shizzle. He's got to be to blame. But interestingly enough, out of everything, you think of all the guys falling into place. It's like, okay, he goes up the card, but not really. Think about it. Yes, he becomes champion. Yes, he's the main eventer, but. Kane and Undertaker overshadowed him, that feud. Austin overshadowed him big time. He got injured, so he's not really at all the shows, and he's hardly making the shows. It was funny. He was almost like an afterthought. It was almost like this guy's not going to sh- show up to the show because he's crying that Steve Austin's a bigger star. Like Undertaker's like, I'm going to kick this guy's fucking ass if he doesn't show up. So it was weird the way it worked out with Michaels. He thought, like, this is the catapult. Get Brett out of here. They're, they want me to wrestle Brett again at Mania 13. Not happening. I'm faking an injury and getting the hell out of here. I'm not losing to Brett after I just beat him at 12. Then all of a sudden, 14's rolling around, and you got this new toy, this new shiny toy, Steve Austin, and they're kicking Michaels to the curb again. So what do you think about him, though? That's a little sidebar, but what do you think about him and his responsibility in all this? He Should, should he have told Brett? Well, I don't think there's any chance he tells Brett. You, you look at, well, we're talking about ultimate blame, why this happens. I think he's got to take a big slice, a couple slices of pie here. Jerk was talking about how at times Brett was difficult to work with because, and it was a lot of how Brett saw the professional wrestling business. He, he wanted to protect himself. He thought everything should be, you know, true to the values of the business. And he really wanted to, from all accounts, be professional. And sometimes that's right or wrong. And it could cross individuals a certain way. Shawn Michaels was an outright scumbag at this point. Arguably, maybe still today. But at this point, he's an outright scumbag. And if there was, you've heard multiple people talk about this. If there was even consideration of pivoting to another champ, we'll use, you know, maybe the, the Undertaker. Michaels was in there in Vince's ear and was able to manipulate Vince for whatever reason that might have been in any scenario saying no. No, I need to. I need to take this belt off of Bret Hart. And you go back to all the other times where Bret had believed that Sean was faking injury to avoid having to share the spotlight, put Bret over whatever the case might be. 
Michaels was a very st- stingy SOB back then and very manipulative. He was probably that driving force. We, we got to do whatever it takes. You got to ring that bell and announce me as the winner, and I got to leave as that champion. So I, I've got things broken down into my 25%, right? So we've already talked about three of them. We, we, we've talked about Vince. We've yep. talked about Brett and kind of his his part in all of this. No, we didn't really talk about Brett. Well, we, as we're talking about the... Oh, I think Brett, Brett absolutely is, is partially accountable for this. Well, why would you say that? Well, well okay, hang on. So okay. we, we got all the contract stuff, and I, I thought we had kind of talked about that. But okay, so Cornette gets 25%. Vince gets 25%. How much do you think I gave Sean? Zero percent. What? Come on. Zero You can't, you can't let this guy off the hook. What? Well, And here's why. Yeah, why? I think Sean went along with everything. Do I think Sean was responsible for it? Do I think Sean Michaels came up with this? No, not even a little bit. Sean was I, I, just the beneficiary that went along with everything. If it wasn't Sean Michaels, it would have been somebody else. I don't hold Sean responsible for this one at all. I, I, I don't know. It's To me, he might not have been the, the brainchild have gone and pitched this thing. He was the I beneficiary. Believe once he heard about this thing, once he heard about this thing, it was, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. This must yep. happen. So so to not exactly. give him any kind of credit for this, he was, this execution. No, no. He went, but does that make him responsible for it? That's the question. Who's responsible for it? Yeah, because at that last I don't, minute, I don't you could Sean be that reasoning voice. You could be that reasoning voice before you and your guys pull down the ski mask and go into the bank and say, hey, maybe we should do this. You know, let's just counterfeit money or maybe we'll go get jobs and do it the other way. No. Sean was the one to kick the door open and went in guns blazing and had the first teller held up. Yeah. I mean, if, if the question was who was the biggest douchebag involved with the Montreal screw job, Sean would absolutely be on that list. But as far as who's responsible for it, not Sean Michaels. Don't think so. Why did you say Brett is responsible? That's that's what I want to know. Well, I mean, let's they've tried to take the title off of Brett for weeks going into Montreal. And Brett we, was how not do we know that? How do we know well, that? By all accounts, whether it's coming from Pritchard, whether it's coming from Jim Ross, whether I mean, Brett has even said that, you know, that, oh, well, we could do it here. Oh, no, I, then they, I didn't want to do it that because you no, know, but- it wouldn't have made sense for this. But I mean, really, it was Vince was like, I don't want that. Like, he was literally like, okay, I dropped to Steve Austin. Nah, I don't want that. Like, all right, I'll drop it to Ken Shamrock. Nah, I don't want that. Yeah, Vince but, was stuck on it being yeah, but Michael. We've always stuck heard, though, yeah. why Vince was stuck on refusing those things to those other people is because Michaels was like, nope, nope, there is no pivot. It's got to come to me. And there, he, he was right. Not, but Brett had Michaels did control, not want to pivot. Don't give the guy creative control then. Well, okay. Yeah, again, that goes back to the Vince McMahon contract that he offered to Brett the Hitman Hart, which is absolutely why he's culpable inside of this thing. Right. But if you're putting but if you're Brett putting could have done Brett, business too and just cut his losses and gotten the hell out of there. But the real life heat there and what it meant to him and what it meant in that time of professional wrestling, you couldn't do that. And that's also also the exactly the same reason why he's partially responsible for it. Now, because it I, was so real to Brett. He was so prideful. I can't lose this prop to this person on this night before I go and get take my giant payday at WCW. He could have just done business and gotten the hell out of there. But look who he learned or you know, learned about that. I mean, even Hogan, when he when he finally did the deed and dropped the Yoko, it had to come 
at the cost of shenanigans. You have the the fireball and all of that. Now, if you want to blame Brett, and I'm not I'm not completely opposed to that, but I think we can go a lot deeper into that. Brett had been with this company since 1984, and time after time, he had been screwed over by management. We can go back and, and probably make an extensive list of times that he has been disappointed and let down by Vince McMahon and those around him. No wonder he thought something was fishy. Why would he's going to think anything else was going to change? So you add in there that one of the, the greatest, the greatest traits of Bret Hart is also one of the worst because he believes in it so much. Why did not, why didn't he see time after time, even going back, I mentioned Hogan, what they did to him with Hogan back at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, all the shenanigans and who was going to become the face of the company during the new generation or generation neck, whatever they were calling it then, was Shawn Michaels. Why did he think anything was going to be different here? And those are one of those reasons to me that lean towards working the side of this thing. But inside of a shoot, how how long can we forgive the ignorance of Bret Hart and not put blame on him for this happening? I can't. I think you just made my case. Thanks. Can't believe, can't believe you're saying that. What was the percentage you said for Bret? You gave twenty five percent. Son of a bitch! Wow, come on, Jungle always with that teaser. We got three slices of his four slice pie out there. But I still though, and I Brett's on my list because I you know you got you got to talk about him. You got to say he's partly responsible. But even with the documentary and and him having creative control, you still give him twenty five percent of the pie, even though all this is documented and out there that it the creative control is partially what led to the damn problem to begin with. But if he, if the guy has creative control, like I talk to Sullivan about it all the time with Hogan, you gotta get do what he says, or at least come to an agreement. And you agree, Vince agreed to it. You heard it on the tape; he was illegally recording it, and the guy was, which is awesome that the Dark Side of the Ring actually got the guy. That was the best part of the whole thing that they got the audio guy, and they were asking about. It. He goes, "I didn't know what was going on. They hired me for the day. I was making one hundred fifty dollars for the day. You know, like that is so cool." But Brett goes in, and he's got the damn audio. He has creative control, so it's, all right, let's do a schmoz, let's do a DQ. Okay. What did Brett do wrong? He did exactly what, and they and Vince agreed to it. He got lied to. I feel like this, this is like a dog chasing its tail. That's, that's, that's really Vince and Brett. They're like dogs that are just chasing each other's tails and around in a giant circle. So those two get 25%. Cornette gets 25% over here. Pause. Who do you think actually deserves the other twenty five percent? And I might say it's probably the fattest twenty five percent, right? Like to me, there's one guy that we haven't talked about that is it's, like it's that piece of yeah, pizza that grabs like a. That sounds legit. It was probably him. It's that piece of pizza that when you when you pull it off of the rest of it, it takes like half the toppings with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's that piece. Like it's the same size piece, but it, it wants all the toppings. Vince McMahon. Well, I mean. I mean, Vince's 25% kind of goes without saying, but no, yeah. not, that's not the 25 that I'm talking about. Pause. Come on. Who's uh, really I'm responsible in, for this? I, I'm intrigued here. It's the golden shovel. This was all Hunter's idea. If mm. Brett's not going to do business, then fuck him. That is exactly what Hunter is quoted as saying in this entire thing. This is the beginning of the golden shovel. This is the beginning of Triple H. All the political posturing you want to put on Sean. Yeah, Sean was culpable. Yeah, Sean went along with it. This is really Hunter. 
when I, when you really look at this thing, this is the beginning of Triple H and the Golden Shovel right here, the Montreal screw job. This is when Hunter started throwing away around his weight backstage and making the case, you know what? Screw it, Vince. This is what we're going to do. And look at how it turned out. And it just kept on rising from there. Hunter is absolutely part of this deal. And nobody, like, people, can, oh, yeah, it was a comment in passing. Uh-uh. Nope. This is Hunter. This is Hunter's fingerprints all over this thing. This uh, I love the, the Hunter drop in here. It, it's kind of like pro wrestling's version of the Prince and the Popper. As you got Triple H coming in, he's carrying the bags. He, he doesn't go out and party, but he hooks up the biggest party crowd who happens to have the biggest influence backstage. He's driving them to the bars. You know, they're doing whatever they want in the car. He's carrying the bags. Triple H also a historian. We talk about Cornette bringing that up. I'm sure Triple H knew quite about schmazes inside of professional wrestling and how they would work and how you should execute them to the fullest. We're talking about who who comes out on top of this. If this thing could be a work, work shoot. Uh, obviously, you have the creation of Mr. McMahon, the great, you know, arguably the greatest character in professional wrestling. For a short time, you get that hype. Brett goes and gets three million. Sean, we could maybe argue because we say, you know, it was very short lived. Maybe not what he expected. If Sean doesn't break his back in January, we, yes. it might have been a very but, different story. Okay, we throw in the, the what happens there, but you got to believe. Supposedly with that big, crazy. that big slice of the pie, Jerry keeps talking about, and Bret Hart gone from WWF. That's a that's a move for Triple H. Triple H made out pretty nice after all of this. Now you know, just with the the boom of DX, uh, then the the boss's daughter, where he's at in the company now, what he's been able to achieve in the company. Very but interesting. Gotta, but you got to blame Vince, though. I mean, it's his company, his doing, the time honor tradition, all this other stuff. But why wouldn't you? Like get the title off Brett sooner if this was going to be like the end game. You know, just in your your thought process, why even let it get that far? Like, you know what I mean? I know you're going to say Brett gave him a hard time, didn't want to lose here or there, but you're the boss, man, and and obviously you proved it by by screwing him over. But like, why not say, hey, you know, um, let's not do it in Canada, let's do it here, and drop you out instead of lying to the guy and saying, yeah, you have creative control, but we're going to ignore that. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a lot of um, uh not nice tendencies i guess you could say by vince very a uh, very businesslike but very sneaky very snake like really just do what you gotta do but tell the guy man to man don't be a sneak about it i mean do this has got to be on vince do we know when like what day did brett actually sign with wcw at what point was it like official when he flew down to sign the the tentative agreement that i will be there on december 5th right was that post SummerSlam? Yeah. Was that between SummerSlam yeah, and Survivor Series? Yes. Yep. It was the fall of '97. Yeah. So I mean, if Vince wants to do it, he wants to do it on the biggest platform available, the next big show. I think and it, it just happened post- to be Survivor Series. Like I, I, think I don't. It was, it was I, in like late October. I mean, they only had a couple weeks really, so there wasn't a big moment. But you've always got a moment. I mean, hell, when we're talking about how they mistreated Brett, they didn't even give his first title reign a proper introduction. He went to a house show against Ric Flair on his way out. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of room, even if you knew before. But he wants to, to make the most amount of money. That's crazy. really like, what it is. You with know? Brett, though, Brett's great, but it's funny. It's like, 
who did he beat from the old guard to like cement him? Like they, you always beat the old guard and cement yourself. Savage in Japan, yeah, and, and on a house show, yeah, but not on TV. Where the Flair hell on Flair? a house show? Yeah, Flair was like insignificant too at that point. Um, and, and on a house show, never got the, that big Hogan win. Hogan, nope. Warrior, nope. Like, where's the old guard putting him over? Come on, like yeah, he got screwed over a few times. And, and old, the is... old guard kicked his ass in the WWF, and then the old guard went to WCW and continued to kick his ass while Brett was on top inside of the WWF in the ratings. Like we we talk about all these greatest of all times lists, and Brett is always towards the top. Even when you talk about like you know the most disappointing championship reigns of all time, Brett's towards the top of that list too. Like he didn't put butts in seats. He wasn't drawing TV ratings while he was on top. As great as he was, people just didn't really want to pay to see Brett the Hitman Hart. And there actually was just recently, uh, Jake the Snake was talking about that time and and said that Brett and Sean couldn't draw because they were too small. And in his defense, you know, Brett's listing off, well, I, I couldn't draw. I, I didn't move anything. You know, he points to Wembley. He points to, you know, 108,000 in India. He points to Canada. But he can never talk about that major market of America in TV ratings. The only thing, too, with Jake and all these guys, it's a big, uh, big stumble when they do that. They're comparing him to Hogan. And it's like, come on, man. It's not even fair. That's I was surprised Jake, that Jake said it and didn't catch a bunch of heat from AEW. Well, yeah, true. Because but Brett and Sean tower over what we see now, what we right, look course. at as a heavyweight well, champion. When's the last time you saw Jake on AEW? Oh. I can't remember the last time I saw Murderhawk. Oh. He's well, injured his neck. He landed so on his I know he's been hurt, yeah. but I mean, I can't remember. Well, I immediately, well. That's no, but I just, I always find that. Remember, he went. He went 50-50 or 30 longer than 30 seconds with Marco Stun. I checked out on this, guys. But I always find that argument kind of crazy with Brett. Like, yeah, he wasn't as good of a draw compared to Hogan, yeah. But compared to Shawn Michaels, he was a better draw. Compared to Sid, Diesel, Yokozuna, every other well, champion, I mean, he was look a better at, draw than all numbers, those guys. You look at he's the better numbers, draw Diesel's the worst drawing champion of all time. Yeah, and Yoko, yeah. He's one of the biggest. And and Michaels almost put him out of business when he was champion. He was such a good run in the ring, but horrible business-wise. Nobody wanted to see him as champion. You know, this flamboyant, uh, smaller guy, great athlete, but it's like it's the boyhood dream. Yeah, like, buying it. This guy's beating Vader and Mankind. I mean, come on. come on. Great matches, but and then when Sid beat him, they didn't expect that reaction. Definitely not. Uh, Michaels is so pissed, he's spitting at people in the crowd. He's so pissed that they're booing him at MSG. So, yeah, he wasn't, it was, wasn't a good draw. But back to who was responsible. So, Rick, final um, nail in the coffin there. Who's responsible? <sighs> Come back to me on this one. Come on. Let me, let me make Gosh. a So, Jargo, give, give us the piece of the pie again, because you're going to say it's four people. It's Vince, it's Brett, it's Cornette, and it's Triple H. Those, to me, are the four pieces of the pie. I got to go with just one guy, and I think it's fairly obvious. I'm going to pick Vince McMahon. You didn't have to screw the guy. But you screwed him. You gave him creative control. You lied, and you and you didn't do what he, what you agreed to backstage. They have you on tape because Brett snuck in a, a recorder. Although who knows if that's a work or not? If he if he knew that there was there, that's that's a different story for this day on that part. But he said to him, "Yep, yeah, we're going to do a schmage." Yeah, and then he goes behind and he tells Earl, um, "You know, I'll 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 you know I'll fire you if you don't do it." Okay, I'll do it. Hey Briscoe, teach this guy some shoot moves in case it goes down. Pat, make sure you know. 
who knows if Pat knew what was going on, but he's telling Pat, this is the way you're going to work to finish. I'm, and I'm walking down at that point to make sure everything goes down the way it's supposed to go down. And I'm going to get spit in the face for it too. And I don't care. And I'm going to take a punch in the face for it too. And I don't care. Uh, and literally get knocked out and then get knocked out so badly. You went off the ground and came back down and broke your ankle, which is a freaking nice uppercut. Which also adds to the conspiracy theory because supposedly Brett throws the uppercut, hits him in the jaw, right? But he comes out and he's got that giant bruise on his eye. Oh, ah, uh, yes, it adds Ooh. to the conspiracy and, that and, the whole thing they was claim, a work. And they claim that Briscoe accidentally stepped on Vince's foot, which caused him to roll the ankle. <laughs> Uh, for my choice here, and I, I know that he would love to take the credit on this thing. I, I might have to do a cut on this one and, and tag him it to see his take on this thing because of the ruckus that in insanity that he caused inside of the WWF. I, I want to say Eric Bischoff, but I'm going to go to something Vince McMahon said, and I think it holds very true after the conversation we had. Brett screwed Brett. Whoa. This was Brett Hart's, Brett Hart's fault. And he is responsible. How dare you, Rick? You son of a bitch! Damn it! Brent. Oh, and also, but uh, hey, in, in defense here, just uh, just so I can cover up and get on the the good side of Mr. Hart. You were talking about the best television shows. Uh, Lonesome Dove by all acclaim smashed oh, Thunder in Paradise. Oh, okay, all right, valid, nice. But let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Jargo, what do you got? At not Jargo across social media, michaeljargo.com, at markmedia.com, destinopod.com. Really? Uh, I remind everyone check out Channel Attitude. As we mentioned, Mr. Russo breaking down uh, hour by hour, show by show, the happenings uh, on Raw and giving you. Uh, today's look at what was going on creative wise it's going to get interesting as he heads into this time uh you might have to ask him positive he can start talking early on about conversations when they wanted brett to possibly drop this thing and when those started to unfold yeah. and and what he remembers from those things uh here at the two-man power trip i just got some uh in my in my mailbox some great video clips from our new clip guy media five is going to be helping us out so look for those we're going to get those uploaded and have those coming at you of course, you can just keep up with me. The art of the beat of the Richard Bronson victory across all social media at the real RVV. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Jargo. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for a little edition of Who Is? See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.